wants to talk about Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and are they going to play, are they not going to play, and what difference will that make to the Cleveland offense when, in fact, the storyline of this football game is about what the Browns have on the other side of the ball. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates, the other two teams I cover, right where you found this. The Steelers were back at practice, really day one of practice in their own world, heading into Sunday's 1.02 p.m. kickoff against the Browns at First Energy Stadium. And predictably, most of the discussion, the back and forth between reporters and players and everything else, was about Baker and Chubb and the wide receivers and, and all of the toys, as I've called them for years, that Cleveland has amassed. And I was saying that back when it was a derisive term because the Browns would just add all these big-name, glamorous pieces and not have an offensive line for them. Well, since then, they've very clearly stabilized their line, and they've put themselves into a position where they have a, a nice, somewhat semi-productive, mostly inconsistent, often banged-up offense. And that, oddly enough, is what the Browns are better known for than their defense, even though Miles Garrett is on that side of the ball, and even though Garrett is almost universally considered to be a top-five overall defensive performer in the National Football League. This Cleveland defense, or the Steelers' ability to beat it, will be the defining component to what happens up there Sunday. Yeah, it'd be nice if Baker plays. I'm not going to lie, because that'll allow the Steelers a chance to flip the field, maybe get a couple of takeaways that you're most likely not going to have if Case Keenum's out there. Solving a Cleveland defense that currently ranks number two in the NFL in yards allowed per game, 295.6 is their average. Only the Bills at 270.2 are ahead of them. There's no other team lower than 307. And on top of that, the Browns are really even-handed about it. They're second best against the run, seventh best against the pass. So they're getting it done in all ways, and that's not exactly a great match for this offense, which has still yet to really form any semblance of an identity, and maybe maybe that's kind of what Ben Roethlisberger had in the back of his mind when he was asked yesterday uh, about Garrett and about that defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's the man. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He's one of the best in the in the NFL at what he does. But uh, the the additions that they have, you know, and, and from D line to secondary, um, you know, they, they don't try and 
complicate or confuse you. It's like we're just better than you. We're going to laugh and beat you and show you that, that we can do that. So that's where the challenge is going to is going to come. Yeah, basically, he's talking about brute force. He's talking about players who have the physical capability and the confidence to feel like, and most often do, overpower the individual in front of them. The old James Harrison mindset. Beat the man in front of you. That's what the Browns have done defensively. They haven't been perfect. They haven't uh, created, obviously, enough of a splash for people to be paying more attention to them than to all the people on their offense doing commercials. But they've, they've become something. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online. Maybe a flexible hybrid format works best. Learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. The best way to solve a defense that's focused mostly on just beating you as opposed to trying to trick you, I believe, is to trick them because they're not even thinking in that way. They're not trying to out-clever anybody, if you heard what Ben said. That doesn't mean they don't have blitzing schemes and do some disguising and so forth, but for the most part, as he stressed, they're looking to just get to you. They have a job to fulfill, and they're going to try to fulfill that. If you're the Steelers, the very best thing you can do is to keep them guessing, get them unbalanced, get them to start maybe overthinking things a little bit. This, to me, is the first big Matt Canada challenge. And I say that with all due respect to the Steelers having won in Buffalo in the opener. Obviously, the Bills have gone on to become exactly what we thought they'd be, including in that game, but weren't necessarily. That is to the credit of the players and of Canada. The offense wasn't great up there, but the offense ended up getting the job done in the second half. This is the bigger test. This is the one where you find out whether or not all of that misdirection, uh, pre-snap movement, play action is something that Canada threw in just because it looks clever in college or whether it has some real purpose that it can achieve. This would be that day. Because if you're the Steelers and you just set out to attack their secondary, the Browns do have the people to drop into coverage and to neutralize that. If you try to just run the ball on them, then you will be the first team that does that. They're averaging 80 yards a game allowed in rushing. That's that's not a lot. And not to lay this all on the coordinator, it's ultimately going to come up to the players executing. It is. Every play that every coordinator diagrams ends in a touchdown. They look pretty. They all look pretty on paper. Somebody's going to have to come through. 
I'm going to put at the top of my list Chase Claypool. He's coming off uh, two catches on seven targets performance against Seattle that was completely unacceptable. He wasn't fighting for the football. He wasn't doing enough to get open. And he wasn't getting... He he just wasn't any good, okay? He wasn't any good. He has to become a primetime NFL receiver for this team to go somewhere. And this is the kind of week that you want to do that. As Mike Tomlin was saying earlier, there's a separation when it comes to gauging performance of road games in divisional stadiums. There just is. Deontay Johnson has to step up. James Washington needs to, A, get involved, and B, do his own stepping up. Najee Harris is going to have to find a way to get yards because, as I mentioned, if the Steelers get one-dimensional, they're not going to go anywhere. The offensive line needs to have another, another showing that's better than its previous one. Then there's the quarterback. Then there's the quarterback. If if you have read or heard uh, his remarks that he made in uh, his own personal documentaries that he's been doing, although this was recorded before the Seattle game, he's feeling it with this hip issue and to a lesser extent, with this pectoral issue, and it's affecting him, and he's very obviously thinking about it, to be talking about it so openly, that he's using his upper body uh, almost entirely to throw the football, and it's affecting his accuracy, his velocity, and everything else. Now he's had the bye week. He said yesterday that was a big help for him physically. Great. Let's see it. Let's see it. It's going to take all of this. I'm not optimistic if that hasn't come across through this segment. I'm just not. Um, That's not to rain on anything. It's not that I would be stunned beyond belief if the Steelers were to look good offensively. It's just not a favorable matchup for them in that regard. And it might be a case where they just need to kind of survive it and hope that the defense and some takeaways and bail them out. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you always by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. LGKG, they represent people who are Hurt in car accidents who need assistance with workers' comp or medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers for over 15 years. That's reserved for the top 5% of everyone in their profession in Pennsylvania. Learn more at LGKG.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's J1Q comes from Janet. She asks, do you think the Steelers will try to get Kenny Pickett? You know, I've been waiting for a Kenny Pickett question for a while here. In particular, after the performance that he had the other day in taking down Clemson, in which maybe we saw the highlight of the Pat Narduzzi tenure upsets aside. He'd have an occasional upset. And 
with every passing week, Pickett looks more and more like the real deal as it relates to being an NFL quarterback. But there are separations. There are significant separations. One of them is college football, and the other one is the NFL. One's minor league, one's major league. And some of the things that you can utilize as a skill set in colleges don't translate to the major league level. Pickett happens to be blessed with having a lot of those very tools. He's not a prototype college quarterback as much as he is a prototype NFL quarterback. So it's understandable that he is individually garnering more tension. Uh, Mel Kuyper rated him as number one quarterback in next year's draft uh, just this past week. And he's seen as a middle of the first round type. Now, that said, Janet, there's a long bridge to connect between everything that I just said and the Steelers ending up with this player. For better or worse, the Steelers know everything about Pickett. That's one of the reasons that you'll see them sometimes take a pit player and everyone will say, oh, yeah, it's because they're familiar with him. Or they'll pass on a pit player that everyone else seems to like. In either case, it's just because they know a lot more about him. And to repeat, that's for better or worse. So we can't know, because there's been no indication whatsoever, and there almost never is when it comes to who likes who in advance of a draft. We can't know whether or not the Steelers value this player. So the discussions that we're having here almost have to happen on separate tracks. A, do the Steelers like him as much as everyone else seems to right now? Uh, B, can the Steelers get this player if they want? The reason that I think that it, it's unlikely is that almost everyone concurs that next year's draft isn't exactly stacked with quarterback talent. So when Pickett soars up to the top, he's not really soaring as much as he is bounding a little bit. Uh, it's not a great group. There's not a Trevor Lawrence out there somewhere. There's not a Joe Burrow out there. And Pickett isn't either of those guys either. So if another team that picks ahead of the Steelers, and you would think slash hope that'll be a lot of them, Somebody's going to need a quarterback. Somebody's going to value a quarterback. You don't see the first round of an NFL draft go very deep without the first quarterback being taken, even in a down year for quarterbacks. So if Pickett is the best quarterback, Janet, he's going to be long gone. He's going to be long gone. If he isn't the best quarterback even if that's just in the Steelers' eyes, then why would they take him? I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Let's do this again tomorrow.